Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Welcome to the EM360 podcast with our Ask the Expert series, a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Max Curtin, Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. So I'm looking forward to today's podcast because I have two guests joining me this week. First of all, I'm just going to introduce a little bit of background on them and then I'm going to get them to explain a little bit further. So first of all, I have David Matgoka and Michael Wyatt. Now, David is a principal with Deloitte Cyber Practice and Michael is the Deloitte Risk and Financial Advisory Principal for Cyber Deloitte. So thank you so much both for joining me today. If we can kind of just start off by introducing yourselves. David, if I could start with you, if you wouldn't mind just giving our listeners a little bit of background on yourselves. Absolutely. Firstly, Max, thank you for this opportunity. David Mipkaukar, I've been with uh, Deloitte about 17 years. And prior to that, I was in the software industry as a software developer. I live here in Silicon Valley, been focused on cyber risk during my time at Deloitte, serving uh, many different companies, small and large, everything from advisory services to implementation to operations from a cybersecurity perspective. Uh, you know, also grew up in the identity practice with Mike, and uh, you know, that's an area that is close to my heart. Excellent. That's perfect. And, and Mike, if you wouldn't mind just giving us a background on yourself. My name is Mike Wyatt, and I have been with Deloitte for 13 years, all of that time focused on identity management. Before Deloitte, I too came from the software and industry side of the house. And so for almost 30 years, directory services to identity my focus area. Looking forward to the conversation today. Excellent. Yes, I believe you two are the, the perfect guests to, to answer my questions because you're both here to help me discuss the findings in Deloitte's recent cyber research, looking at the top trends and challenges that enterprises must consider when protecting themselves and their consumers. As well as this, we're going to be uh, delving into the pressing matter of digital identity, which is a very important subject matter at the moment. And I think a good kind of jumping off point with this podcast is between you, if you could just kind of outline what Deloitte Cyber investigated and really what the findings were. Go ahead, David. Yeah, so this was our 2019 Future of Cyber survey, right? So we surveyed uh, about 500 C-level executives that are responsible for cybersecurity. You know, and really the, the survey set out to gain insights into how these leaders are embracing the concept of cyber everywhere and how they're operating under this new norm and how they're collaborating with their partners and other key stakeholders. And so really, uh, in terms of, to give you a sense for what the audience of the survey was, or the people who provided the input, there were about 500 C-level executives who oversee cybersecurity companies. The company sizes were about at least $500 million in annual revenue. Uh, this included 100 CISOs, 100 CSOs, chief security officers, 100 CTOs, chief technology officers, 100 CIOs, and 100 uh, chief revenue officers. And really, the goal was to put the numbers into context, right, and expand the dialogue and acceptance of cyber everywhere so that organizations are not really limited by it, but really empowered to embrace the opportunities that we create. So that's a very quick summary of what the survey was about. Quite a broad surface area there and a good area to cover. Mike, was there anything kind of shocking in there that you found or something that kind of jumped out to you that you think should be an interest to look forward to over the next year? Important as identity is to the enterprise, but for consumer access as well as internal access, I was surprised at the limited investment level that organizations make. So based upon the survey, we see that 95% are committing 20% or less of their cybersecurity 
investment toward identity. And that's just surprising because if you think about identity, it is the new parameter. It is the way into the organization and a, a very common attack by bad actors. And so that, I think, stood out as significant. Yeah, that is quite surprising to have that fewer resources kind of implemented into that. Do you think that's going to change over the next couple of months? I certainly think it will, and, and there's a couple of reasons why. Identity, unlike other areas of cybersecurity, it also involves digital transformation enablement and user experience and operational efficiency. And I believe that as the identity solutions become better at managing the legacy on-prem environment as well as the emerging cloud environments, that you'll see increased adoption because you've got multiple reasons to help make that business case justification. I do want to get into identity in a really granular level here, but there's something I want to pick both your brains about first, and, and that's obviously legacy environments are quite an issue with a lot of organizations, especially we're seeing a lot of shifts at the moment across all industries. So if I could get your thoughts on legacy environments when it impacts an organization's security and hesitations surrounding upgrading them, because we, we've spoken briefly just now about the financial implications, but why are these legacy environments still existing in organizations today? So the key piece on legacy systems is that a lot of them are poorly documented and they're somewhat brittle, meaning that they're running and the enterprise desires to not touch them for fear of taking down an important operational system. It's easier to get funding for a new digital transformation project. It's harder to get funding for app modernization. And in fact, Cybersecurity improvement is one of the justifications for getting funding for those legacy systems to bring them up to speed. David? Yeah, a couple of things to add on to Mike's note. I mean, the investment into these new systems and their the structures around it could be a fairly significant investment. You know, without an organizational-wide understanding of what a value of identity is, right, and what the legacy systems actually have, to Mike's note around purely being documented, right, and sometimes... It's just uh, no one wants to take ownership of that at the executive level. And you know, without that, it can be pretty hard to attain. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of a, a key point there because I had a conversation recently around responsibilities when it comes to the board members and, and the C-suite executives and taking responsibility for kind of cyber and updating it. Do you think that is the case that the focus should be on the board level to really see what issues are and then filter that down to their cyber teams? Certainly, the board has gotten more savvy around cyber, right? But I don't think the responsibility lies purely with them. Certainly, the attention that the boards bring to it has helped in recent years, right? So five years ago, the conversation was different. The boards were not very savvy around cyber and were not asking the questions. These days, we're seeing more and more the boards pressing the management around what the cyber position is for the company, what are the risks. And that's frankly resulting in a number of actions being taken by the management you know, to help move cyber needle along. It is improved, but I wouldn't say that the boards are solely responsible for this. I do feel like the management team across the board shares this responsibility and to some extent, you know, should be actually proactive about handling this. That's a really good point. And one observation I mean is that certain industries seem to be more attuned to the need to address the technology deficit associated with legacy IT. 
surprisingly, state, local, and higher ed, we've seen initiatives in a number of our clients across the states that are targeting funding for cyber and app modernization in one bucket. Because cyber is such an enterprise risk management issue, the legislatures have found it easier to justify funding to help with legacy modernization by tying it to improving the risk posture of the state. Mm, okay, so that's interesting then. And, and I think that's a very good approach to take uh, going forward. So thank you for that. So obviously, at the start of the podcast, we spoke about digital identity and, and how important that is. But if we kind of drill down a little bit deeper into that aspect, then so why do companies need to be thinking about digital identity? And what should be the action process moving forward if there is no implementation in place? One is doing it the right way can unlock pretty significant benefits, not only for the employees of the company, but also the consumers, the cybersecurity teams, and the business, the leadership, right? And then finally, the unified approach can really help build trust and ensure security and privacy across the board, which is becoming more and more important. That's the why. In terms of the how, Mike and I published a paper recently, but really the five takeaways in terms of taking that uh, approach is, number one, you want to pursue a holistic approach to identity, treat everyone and everything equally, whether it's consumer or employee, a person or a device, an application, right? You can't neglect any single element. Number two, you want to help consolidate, coordinate, and align responsibilities, right? So things like identity, data privacy, regulatory compliance are increasingly overlapping. This means that tech, cybersecurity, legal, business leaders are all stakeholders in effective identity management. It's just not the problem of one person. So having that consolidated, coordinated view is really important. Number three would be to advocate for an outcome-based approach, right? So to, to empower innovation efforts, to drive digital transformation, companies want to be looking at making identity a service for the entire organization, right? So identify what the right business outcomes are and then work around those. Number four would be to explore managed services. Given the array of resources, of talent that are available, as well as the shortages from a cyber skill set perspective that organizations are grappling with, looking at managed service for this is, you know, is something that more and more companies are doing, and there's a good reason for it. And then finally, you know, looking to, uh, looking to getting prepared for future technologies like AI and machine learning, things like that, as these get integrated into the identity management suite, you know, how can companies leverage that? How can they leverage automation to make sure they're getting the best outcomes while efficiently managing their resources? So I'll, I'll uh, pause there and see if all of that makes sense. You know, David, I think that was a very good summary of the key drivers. Identity really is the fabric of the digital economy. And it is so important to not silo identity. And, that, and that's traditionally been the case where the, the consumer identity is in one bucket. The chief marketing officer, the digital officer is focused on that. And the CISO and IT operations focuses on the internal employee. But in today's world, with the sensitivity around protecting identity information, it's real important to have that holistic approach that David described. It's something that's evolving more and more as we kind of move forward and identity does become such a massive part of this. What advice would you give to organizations who, let's not say are not focusing as clearly as they should, but um, really need to focus on it more leading into 2020 and, and the next five to 10 years ahead? There are a few areas that I think are compelling from a business case standpoint. 
One is moving away from passwords. There's a strong desire and a recognition that the efficacy of passwords is minimal. And the user experience with the recommended complexity associated with passwords is growing to be untenable. And so by looking at new modalities for authentication, strong authentication, that's an opportunity to improve the organization and improve the user experience of the organization at the same time. So it's not either or to and. So that would be one particular area. Closely associated with that, the two areas that in my experience over the last 13 years working with organizations that have had breaches of IT systems, multi-factor authentication and privileged access management. Those are two areas that it's clear in the industry mitigate the risk of data breaches. And so again, getting funding and commitment to do those. Last piece I would say is with identity projects, it is critical that whatever the plan is, whether it is lifecycle management or access certification and access governance, that there be a cadence of value delivery to sustain the investment and commitment the organization is making to the identity journey. Excellent. Yeah, I'll add just a quick point to what Mike just said. In fact, it's a double click on one of the comments he made around user experience. And, you know, frankly, today, with the advent of very easy-to-use apps you know, and customers' expectations being different around uh, usability, almost having a good, smooth, frictionless user experience is a necessity, right? And, and you know, whether it's employees or business partners or, or customers, they will gravitate to something that is simple, easy to use, and they expect that it will be secure. And if there are issues, that they will be informed about it, right? And, and those are caught at the back end. So it almost becomes a need for the business to be there to meet the expectations of their clients and customers. Otherwise, they will just migrate to other platforms that are easier to use, right? And there's so many cases in point for that. So I think that will continue in the next few years. There's a financial services institution that I'm aware of that had a mandate from the CEO, not the CIO or the CISO, the CEO of the organization. And he said that it was critical that the employees and contractors and business partners of the organization have as good as or better an experience as the customers. Now think about that. Prioritizing internal access to be equivalent as good or better than the customer access, that's very provocative. Mm. But in today's world where we've got consumerization IT and growing expectations of user experience, it's important, not just for customers, but also for the internal environment as well. You mentioned it is a, it's an interesting point to take and, and it kind of leads me nicely onto my next point about having those resources to kind of implement that both twofold on that scale because one of the things that the research found was that we're looking at issues with skills deficits as one of the major challenges of IAM which is something that we kind of need to look at here so my question is why do you think organizations are reluctant to outsource despite this ongoing nightmare of the cyber skill shortage it's a good question i think in one piece is that view identity as the keys to the kingdom of the enterprise and don't want to put that in hands of third parties or historically have not wanted to do that. But as gravity for IT compute moves from the four walls on-prem to the cloud and your sales information is in the cloud, your HR information is in the cloud, 
it's much more difficult to make the case that identity information should also not be managed through a cloud environment. And so we see about 58% of the relevance on the 2019 survey indicate that they're running on-prem, either with their own employees or co-sourced, and only about uh, 37% are moving into an IDAS cloud-hosted environment. We expect those ratios to swap over time. And in fact, by 2022, one leading analyst group expects about 80% of the identity implementations to be identity as a service cloud-based. David, how do you kind of react to those kind of statistics there? Because I understand the purpose of why a business, as you say, wouldn't want to be handing over to a third party, but do you think it's getting to the point that it needs to? I think one of the conversations I have with CISOs that keeps coming up and ask them what are some of their biggest challenges, often to the top of their list is lack of available skill sets and talent not being able to find the right skill sets, right? Not being able to train them up enough and then retain them more importantly, so that you know once they've learned what they need to do that they don't leave. Uh, that is one of the top challenges I keep hearing again and again. Secondly, the angle here is some of these things are considered you know, not as, uh, if you will, the most fun or the most shiny polished objects to play with, right? Uh, for, for some of these security folks. So. As a result, you know, it's a double whammy, right? It's hard to get the talent to go do it. And once you have them, they want to focus on something even more exciting. So as a result, you know, oftentimes we are seeing companies are really struggling in the space. I think to add to that, you know, identity is very important, but at the same time, you know, there might be urgent priorities that are taking the place of people's attention, right, in the security organization. So all of these factors combined, in my mind, are leading to the problem. More and more, this is leading to a different solution, which is let's get this sorted out as a managed service, right? So we get an external provider that we trust, make sure we have got the right outcomes defined, and then let them handle it, right? It is something that will get done. You know, you've got the right SLAs defined, right? Outcomes defined, and you don't have to worry about any of the problems I mentioned earlier. So more and more companies and executives are getting more comfortable with this approach. And to Mike's point, with the movement of other sensitive information to be handled externally in the cloud or by other providers, I think you know identity is on that path as well. And I, you know, I'm fairly bullish about where that's going in the next few years. And I'll see more and more executives will take that decision to go manage service on this. Yeah, okay, that makes sense, because it is more of a process and, and something that takes time. And I think that leads nicely to my final question to kind of wrap up here. Based on everything we've discussed today with, with the report in mind, a lot can happen over the next kind of 12, 11 months that we've got in this year. So how do you expect the attitudes of IAM and what opportunities do you think will arise for organizations if they take a more focused approach? One of the key areas that we see a lot of interest right now is in zero trust networks. And identity is an integral component of zero trust. And I think there's a recognition given that despite years of investment in cybersecurity and improved diligence, we're still seeing malware outbreaks and ransomware and so forth. And so uh, there are some fundamental changes that need to occur. And, And with managing excess access of users and having ongoing authentication, not relying on that initial username pattern, but every transaction that occurs, that user or non-person entities being authenticated, really improve security posture of the organization. So I think tying identity into zero 
trust network initiatives will be of growing interest. Spot on, Mike. And more and more, we are seeing uh, companies struggle with some of the similar challenges, right? It's, it's lack of resources. It is a lot of different priorities on their plate. And, you know, more and more are looking for automation to have an outsized impact on what they need to go accomplish based on the resources they have. So we continue to see that be a, a factor that will continue to grow in the, in the months to come. Excellent. I think it's a, a very exciting time and I can agree with both of you more. It's uh, interesting points that you raised there. So all I can really say is thank you both for joining me on this podcast and, and giving your insight. Thank you, Max, for the opportunity. Max, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to this. Make sure you do go subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasting fix. We'll be back next week with another in our Ask the Expert series. If you're looking for more content like this, make sure you head on over to em360tech.com. You've been listening to the EM360 Podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.